As uh, Anthony said, my name's uh, Sean and I'm, I'm part of the leadership here at Harvest Church. Just to say about this evening, we, you know, we realise it is a bit icy, but we're expecting a thaw. But if you've got, you know, you know folk that would, would like to be here and maybe haven't been able to get out this morning, just consider whether you can go and collect them and bring them along. That would be fantastic. Preach, you can say that. <laughs> um, yes, Andrew, Andrew and Emma are both down with flu. Uh, Andrew's getting better, and he did send a message to say that he's resting this morning, but he will be here this evening. So don't go home thinking, well, Andrew's going to be there tonight. What are they going to do if Andrew's not there? So um, Andrew will be here this evening. Thank you. God willing. Thank you. <laughs> so, when we uh, first started talking about doing a preaching series through Daniel, I thought, oh, that's fantastic. You know, we get to talk about Daniel in the lion's den and uh, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the fiery furnace. And then you come to... You know, some of the later chapters, these prophetic words, you start wondering the wisdom in choosing Daniel. But uh, actually, this is God's scripture. It's his message. It's still alive for us today. It will still sustain us and build us up. And so, uh, yeah, we're going to dig into this this morning. I believe that uh, God's going to challenge us, but also encourage us from this. Uh, Before we do, I'm just going to pray. Father God, I I thank you that you've given us your word, that uh, it speaks to us. It it brings about a transformation in our hearts. It is good for us to delve into it, to read your word and to take it in. And uh, Lord, I I pray that you would bless us this morning uh, with your word. I pray that you'd encourage everyone here and I pray that... uh, What I bring actually will, as you, as it gets through to into people's hearts, that it would be your word to them. It would meet their needs. It would challenge and and encourage, Lord. It's not about me. I want it all to be about you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Okay, so we're not going to read all of Daniel chapter nine this evening, but we are going to read a reasonable. I say this evening. Okay. This morning. But we will be reading uh, most of it. And what what I've done is I'm going to split this down into three parts. So we're going to firstly look at verses 1 through to 19, which I've entitled Daniel's Prayer. Then verses 20 to 23, Gabriel's visit. And then... Finally, verses 24 to 27, the, uh, the slightly tricky part, the 77s. Okay, so we're going to start by reading uh, Thomas. We're going to start by reading the first two verses of Daniel chapter 9. So we read, In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, 
who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. And so we start off with Daniel looking back to the prophecy of Jeremiah. And we're just going to read that now as well. So we're going to read uh, a few verses from Jeremiah chapters 25 and 29. So firstly, Jeremiah 25 verses 8 to 9. Have you got those, Thomas? That's part of it. That's <laughs> okay, never mind. I will read these. Verses 8 and 9. Therefore the Lord Almighty says this, Because you have not listened to my words, I will summon all the peoples of the north, and my servant Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, declares the Lord, And I will bring them against this land and its inhabitants and against all the surrounding nations. I will completely destroy them and make them an object of horror and scorn and an everlasting ruin. And then chapter 29 verse 10. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. So we're just going to set the scene here. Um, it's, this, so we'll go back to where Daniel is now. It's been approximately 67 years or thereabouts since uh, the first group of Jews were exiled into Babylon. And Daniel was one of them. There were a further two groups which uh, uh, were exiled from Jerusalem before it was completely destroyed over the following 20 years. So that was about 47 years ago that Jerusalem was completely destroyed, but 67 years ago since the first exiles. Now, the reason I've read Jeremiah is, basically, Jeremiah was prophesying at this time. So he was a contemporary of Daniel. And Jeremiah had been saying then for about 20-odd years that he was telling the people to repent For their sin, he was telling them that uh, God had had enough, that actually the uh, curses and the promises from Deuteronomy that God had said, if you continue to sin, if you turn your back on me, then I will cast you out from uh, this land I've given you. Jeremiah was saying, actually, you're getting to the point now where God has had enough. And if you don't turn back to him, This is what is going to happen. And he specifically says, Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon will come and take you away. So we, you know, Daniel is reflecting back at this time on what Jeremiah said. He's reflecting back on the consequences of the sin of The Jewish people, the fact that they had ignored God, they had ignored the prophets, and now they were all in exile. But he was also looking back at something else that Jeremiah said, was that the promise God had given that there would be restoration, that there would be a return. Now, Daniel himself 
was probably, bear in mind this was 67 years after, Daniel himself, if he was captured as uh, in his early to mid-teens, was going to be somewhere in his 80s. So you know, we often think about Daniel, the young man, how he, you know, been in the lion's den and all these things, but actually now he is an old man. He is somewhere in his 80s, but he is still seeking God. And so um, we read then that he is looking at this prophetic word from Jeremiah. And Jeremiah has said 70 years. And Daniel said, it's been 67, it's almost 70. And so this is where Daniel is at this point and where, where most or pretty much all of Daniel 9 is then leading on from. So we're then just going to read uh, verse 3 now of Daniel 9. Daniel saying, So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. So Daniel has seen that it's almost time for the promise that God had given through Jeremiah to come into fruition. And Daniel decided he was going to do something about this. We can pick up a few notes here, a few pointers from this verse. In that Daniel, Daniel's heart was for what God had declared. Daniel had heard through the prophet Jeremiah, whether he'd heard it actually spoken or whether he was now reading about it, but Daniel had grasped a hold of God's promise and Daniel was for what God had said. We can also take from this that Daniel didn't take the view that God has said it, therefore it's going to happen. Daniel got involved. He, he believed, he knew that he had to be involved in this. And then we can also pick up the point. Daniel puts his all into seeking God. It says he's, he's praying, he's petitioning, he's fasting, he's put on sackcloth and he's kneeling in the ashes. He, he is serious about what God has promised. It's not just a throwaway prayer. God, you know, it's another few years and that's it. You're going to do it. Amen. He is serious about seeking God for what God has promised. Daniel understood that God employs prayer as the means by which he is pleased to fulfill his word. What do I mean by that? Basically, Daniel realized that his prayers made a difference. That if he didn't pray, for things might not happen the way... You know, God made promises, but there was an expectation that there would be human prayer. There would be, we would get involved, or he would get involved. This is vitally important to grasp. Our prayers really do make a difference. So we're going to move on now to verse 4. And this I've is the start of Daniel's prayer. Verse 4. 
I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. As I've been reading through this this prayer of Daniel, which covers it from verse 4 all the way through to verse 19, I just think it's a great uh, prayer model for us to grasp a hold of. And I'm just going to work through a few pointers from it. Verse 4 starts with worship. This is... The best way to start our prayers, by worshipping God. It says, Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. He's worshipping God. He's proclaiming who God is. And this, although it's at the start, it also is throughout his prayer. You know, he, he, he constantly comes back to who God is. He's reminding himself, but also He's declaring it as well. He's worshipping God in his prayers. It's also, you may note, how Jesus taught the disciples to pray in the Lord's Prayer, which you can find in Matthew chapter 6. He starts, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Wonderful is your name. Jesus also Reminded us that worship is a key starting point for our prayers. So we're going to move on now to verses 5 to 15, but I'm not going to read through them all. But Daniel now moves into a time of confession, not only of his own sin, but of his people. He concedes that it's that all the blame lies with his people, even with himself, and that God constantly sought to direct the people along a righteous path. Now, you could say that Daniel could have claimed innocence. He was a young man when he was exiled. He wasn't even alive when most of the sin had been going on. And yet, Daniel grasps a hold of it as his own as well. He says, they're my people, it's my responsibility as well. And it's also interesting to note here that this is something that has built up over the years. The nation of Israel and the people of Judah had been sinning on and on and on and God had been patient with them this wasn't one generation being so much worse than the rest and God saying right okay yeah your parents and your grandparents they were pretty bad but they didn't annoy me as much as you right I've had enough of you lot out actually this was a build-up it's the sins of a nation building up before God the ignoring of the prophets So Daniel is confessing 
He's declaring what has been done wrong against God and he is repenting, asking for forgiveness, seeking to change. Again, we can go back to the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6 where Jesus said, forgive us our trespasses. Yet we are all sinners saved by grace. And regular confession in our prayers to God is vital to maintain a close relationship with him. We need to keep short accounts with God. We need to take responsibility for our mistakes. We need to be before God knowing that we are weak, but in him we are made strong. In him we are made righteous. Nothing, not through our own abilities or capabilities, but in him. So, again, moving on to verses 16 to 19, which we will read, please, Thomas. Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and the iniquities of our ancestors have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn, To all those around us. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favour on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear. And act for your sake, my God. Do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. So the last section here, Daniel is petitioning God. Again, we see Daniel revealing how to pray. Yes, he makes it clear what he is asking for. However, primarily... Daniel is actually reminding God of who he is. He's reminding God, you are merciful, so be merciful. He's reminding God that actually the nation of Israel, that the city of Jerusalem was for God's glory. It wasn't for man, it was for his glory. Daniel's reminding himself, this will bring you glory He's reminding God that you alone are righteous. There's nothing in us, but it's in you. All these things. So Daniel is reminding God, as it were. It seems strange, but that is what he's doing. He's saying, you are merciful. You lavish grace. Once again, this ties in with the Lord's Prayer. At the end of the Lord's Prayer, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. It's all about God. So I would say, by all means, ask God for things in prayer. But there should be a very clear sense of looking to see God being glorified through the answers to our prayers. Is what we're praying for going to bring him glory? 
Does it display his mercy or his righteousness? So to recap then, Daniel's prayer started with worship, with worship through it. It dealt with confession, the sins of Daniel and his parents and his people. And then it led into petition. Okay, so we're going to move on then to verses 20 to 23, which as you may remember I said was Gabriel's visit. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, a word went out, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. So, again, let's set the scene. Daniel is praying, he's fasting, he's in sackcloth, he's on his knees in the ashes. He's crying out for, the, uh, for Jerusalem, for the temple, for his people. And Gabriel, who is actually the angel Gabriel, appears and comes to speak with him. And so again, we're going to pick up on three points here. Firstly, Daniel is still praying. He is putting time into seeking God. As I said, he's fasting. He's in sackcloth. He's in the ashes. He is seeking God, not just momentarily, but he is committing his time to these things that are on his heart. I think it's often been said, but it's becoming more and more of a reality. In our fast consumer world, we can get very impatient for quick answers. You know, the quick throwaway prayer, please Lord, heal me. And then we move on and then, oh, he didn't. Now that may sound flippant, but actually we do get into this attitude of wanting things quickly. When we go to maybe Burger King and it takes... Ten minutes instead of five minutes for the burger to appear. We're like, well, why is this taking so long? We seem to be conditioned to want things very quickly. And Daniel here is displaying patience before God. A reminder to us that actually we should be continually bringing our prayers to him. Not just once, not twice, but continually. Even the same prayer, bringing them back before God. Being patient. Don't give up praying. Second point then, Gabriel came about the time of the evening sacrifice. What does that mean? Basically, when the Jewish people were bringing sacrifices in the temple, the evening sacrifice would have been late afternoon. And it's interesting here that Daniel uses this expression. This is Jerusalem time Daniel is referring to. 
He's referring to time nearly 70 years ago. He's been in Babylon now for all this time and yet he still sees himself in Jerusalem time. What do I mean by that? I think Daniel saw himself in God's time. He wasn't tied up in the way Babylon did things. He was tied up in the way God did things. And so he, is, uh, he continues to use what he would have certainly felt as being God's times. And it raises the question here for us. Whose time are we living on? Whose time do we dwell in? Maybe it's our bosses at work. It's like, well, I've got to get this done. I've got to get this done. I've got to dash into work. I've got to stay late. Maybe even our, our spouses or our kids. You know, well, I've got to get the kids fed and then I've got to get the kids to bed. And, and our lives are driven by other people's timetables and times. Where do our priorities lie? Actually, there's a challenge here. Even after nearly 70 years, Daniel was still in God's time. We also should pick up that challenge. Are we? What does it mean to us to be in God's timing, to do, doing things God's way, what he wants? Does that take a priority in our lives? Third point, Gabriel said, as soon as you began to pray, an answer was given. And we will see again in uh, chapter 10 where Daniel is again praying and another angel comes. The angel came and said, as soon as you prayed, the answer was given, but I've been delayed by the prince of Persia. And then Michael, the archangel, came and helped me and now here I am. God hears our prayers. God answers our prayers. We don't always necessarily receive the answers straight away. But God has heard. God isn't ignoring us when we pray and don't hear anything from him immediately. We need to be patient. We need to keep on just as Daniel did, pressing into him. Because none of our prayers are wasted before God. Okay, so now we're going to move on to the 77s, which, as time's pressing on, Thomas, I won't read. This is, so Gabriel brings these, these verses to Daniel, talking it's a prophetic word. He's talking about what is to come. I say, I'm not going to read it now because of time, but you read through the first part of this chapter, you think, oh, this is great. I can understand all this. And then you get to the end here and you start to read through. And you, it's, uh, these are some of the most argued over scriptures in the whole of the Bible. Now, I read three commentaries on these verses, and they were all different. So, <laughs> I'm not going to try and uh, 
work it all through this morning. We haven't got the time. I'm not sure if I fully understand it yet. But what I am going to do is uh, share, firstly, what I believe most people agree on, and then share a little bit of an overview of what I believe, but without going into any specific details. So, what what I believe most people agree on, and we're keeping it very simple here, Gabriel is giving Daniel a vision of the future. I think that's pretty clear. And secondly, that the different sevens referred to in this passage, the uh, seven sevens and the 62 sevens and the one seven, that the different sevens refer to periods of time in Daniel's future. Okay, I think that's that's where it stops. Everyone, you know, I think most people agree on that. After that, it starts to get a bit tricky. But I'm going to share what I feel I understand from these verses, and you may disagree. As I say, it's a you know it's a tricky passage, but I believe that the Different, so the seven sevens, the different periods of time, refer to the following. The time from when the Jews start to return to Jerusalem and are rebuilding the city and temple through to a point before Christ. So this is the talking about the Daniel's future, the future of the people of God through the Issues that they have, you know, they, they return, but then there's more fighting, they're, they're, they're taken over, there's destruction, the temple is rebuilt. All these things happen in Daniel's future, obviously in our past and in the history of Israel. And so I, I believe that some of what Gabriel is sharing is that. I believe also what... Gabriel is sharing, he is sharing about the Messiah, of Jesus' coming and his death. I believe possibly included in this is the destruction of the temple in AD 70 or 71 by the Romans. And then I personally believe that in here as well, there is something of the end times. So up until now, this has all been History, I think there's still something of what is to come in here as well, when God will have the final victory over his enemies. So, Daniel met an angel, apparently not for the first time, and what does he need to hear? He has been praying that Jerusalem would be restored, that the temple would be restored, that God would be once again being glorified on his holy hill, as it's called. And Gabriel says this to him, yep, the people are going to return. And so for Daniel, hearing that Jerusalem would be restored was his prayer answered. He had been praying, God has answered his prayer. In a sense, everything else was in Daniel's future anyway. So this was the key point for him. 
God is answering your prayer. But then, for the Jewish people who have returned to Jerusalem and are enduring um, quite a, a terrific time with, obviously, they, they, there was the Medes and the Persians. Then there was the, the Greeks, Alexander the Great. You know, there was conquests and there was wars. And even through to Rome... For the Jewish people, this was God's word for them, that God is still in control. That God is overall and it's, your Messiah is still c- going to come. So for the... This would have been to sustain them as well. A word for those who had come, that God would have the victory. But what about for us? I mean, realistically, apart from the end times, this has all happened. It's all gone. It's in the past. What do we get from this? Now, it may seem that what I have brought has been quite disjointed. But actually, there is an overall picture here. Firstly... Like so much of Daniel, we see in this chapter that our God is sovereign. He is Lord. He is in control. In Jeremiah's prophecy and in Daniel's prayer, we see God ruling over the nations. But also, we see him... Willing to act on the righteous prayers of a man. That God listens. He may be sovereign. He is in control. But he is willing to listen to our prayers. Finally, we see that God knows the future. And not just that, but that he is in complete control. And he has the ultimate victory. So, just to recap, we see here how to pray. That we should worship in our prayers. We should confess and we should bring petition. We see that praying isn't a one-off. We need to keep pursuing God. There's a challenge. Are we on God's time pursuing his agenda? We also see he hears our prayers. They do make a difference. And finally, once again, he is sovereign and he is in complete control. Peter, I have a final song. Thank you.